You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Larry Matsuwaki of Every Nation Singapore encourages us with testimonies of what happens when we respond to life's challenges with trust and faith in a God who never fails. It's an awesome privilege again to be with you guys, and I think I was here last year uh, together with my wife. I just want to honor your pastors, uh, Pastor Joe and Bing, and they're such tremendous people. I know you know that they have a tremendous heart for, and love for God and love for people. Can we just give a big hand of appreciation to your pastors? Amen. Doing an awesome job. We all know that pastoring is never easy, so I want to really encourage you, keep praying for your pastors and leaders Uh, they would appreciate your prayers. And as I travel around the world, I just wanted to really encourage you with this this word. Uh, We are encouraged to win in life battles. And I felt like, you know, this was a battle coming here uh, today and this weekend. Actually, my flight from Singapore was one day delayed. And if I would have got on my plane, I would have never made it here. And so... I was in the midst of talking to the lady at the counter, and I said, I have to be there because I have a meeting in Canberra. I have to get on this plane. And as I'm speaking, the other lady overheard me, and she says, one seat just opened up on this flight. If you run, you can make it. I said, that's me. Book it. You know, I'm on it, and I ran. The problem, that's why my bags didn't make it on, on the flight. And, you know, I had to contemplate, what's more important, my bag or me? You know, <laughs> and so I, I came here, and I was trusting that God had a word to really bring a word of breakthrough for you and, and your church. And I really felt the warfare. I felt like the enemy was trying to rob and try to steal, kill, you know, anything he can to rob the word of God. But we know the enemy can't stop God's word from coming forth. Amen? And the Lord says in in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life to the full. So he came to give us full abundant life. And the problem is many times we get so discouraged because of life situations. It's so overwhelming. You know, I didn't make my flight. I didn't get my bags. And we get so overwhelmed by that that we say, ah, I don't want to do anything for God. I don't want to be joyful. No, we are called to be encouraged. We are called to win in life's battles. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell him you're called to win? Well, some of you are not convinced yet. Okay, don't worry, you will be. A couple of weeks ago, I got opportunity to go to our world conference, and uh, we were there, 6,500 of us from 80 different nations gathered together in Orlando, Florida, and it was 100 degrees. It was a desert. It was so hot, and now we're here at 2 degrees. It's so cold, you know, uh, but it was such an awesome gathering on this stage. Is actually our three founders, and we just uh, thank God for what God is doing around the world. And we are called, our name is Every Nation because we have a mission to plant a church on every nation of the world. Can I hear an amen for that? Come on, we are almost there. We have about, I don't know, 80 different, 80 more nations to go. But no, maybe it's not that much. Okay, but it's about 70 more nations. And, And we are believing that we are planting. And the amazing thing is we are planting in the hardest nations, the nations that are seemingly closed. Wherever there's all these restrictions and red lights, some of them are in the Middle East, and everybody's saying it's impossible to plant a church. I'm here to tell you nothing's impossible for our God, and we're seeing churches being planted, supernatural miracles happening, healings, and they're recognizing that Jesus is real, 
and alive. And so that's how we're starting churches in these places. Let me tell you, it's so exciting. I don't have time to go through all the testimonies, but maybe I'll start with one. I'm not sure how much time I have because I'll get carried away with a lot of testimonies. I was just in Cambodia uh, about six months ago, and when I was in Cambodia, I was blown away with one of the testimonies from one of our campus ministers. And she is like so on fire. She's so radical for God. I said, tell me, you know, how come you're so on fire? What happened in your life? Now, you got to understand, she's only 24 years old. She's standing up and just radically testifying about, about Jesus. And one, she says one day she uh, was going to, uh, her friend invited her to our church. In, in Cambodia, she goes to the, the church and she hears the pastor, who, who we call him Doc Demi there, you know, and he, he's, he's a, a, actually a medical doctor, but he's, he's pastoring. So he says, uh, he told them that day, he says, the only way to um, come to re, go to heaven is by receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So that totally shocked her because she's never heard that before, you know, in her religion. So it's all about doing good works and all of this. So she goes home and she asks her parents. She says, um, Mom, Dad, how do we know we're going to heaven? He says, oh, we're going to heaven because we're good people. And then she says, well, what about all the bad people? Oh, no choice. They all go to hell. And she says, what? That's not fair. You know, how do we get them to go to, to heaven? They said, no, no, that's by fate. They, they just have to they go, go to hell. And so that night, which is a Sunday, she prays and she says, Lord, uh, I really need to know if you're really real. Show me. And she had this, this vision. She saw a, a bright light shown in her room, and she, she said she, she saw Jesus, and Jesus appeared to her and said, uh, go to the church that you went to and ask, for, ask them for a Bible and learn about me. So she wakes up in the morning. Next day is Monday. She goes to the church. She knocks on the door. She says, can I please have a Bible? The problem is they gave her a Bible, but they gave her a, an English Bible. She doesn't speak English. She only speaks Cambodian. And so she goes home. She locks herself in her room, and she prays and asks the Lord. She says, Lord, if you're really real, help me understand this Bible. All of a sudden, she has supernatural understanding. She's able to understand and speak English so from Monday, she locks herself in the room all the way to Saturday. She reads the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. On Saturday, she kneels down and she says, Jesus, I know you are real. You are the one and true God. Come into my heart and my life. I want to serve you. Come on. God is so great. Amen. The next day is Sunday. She goes to church. She tells the pastor what happened, and the pastor says, that is incredible, but we need to ground you in the word. We need to bring you through one-to-one. -one. So they brought her through one-to-one, -one, and after that, she gets so on fire. They send her to Manila, Philippines to become a campus minister. She gets trained. Now she goes back to Cambodia. She started three small groups on the hardest campus in Cambodia, and she's radically reaching these young students that are training to be like leaders and government officials in this, this one particular school, and she's having radical success, and, and, and uh, one of the, the young guys we just ordained during that conference, he was 27 years old, and she's saying, don't worry, because he was a young guy, a little bit kind of shy. I can't remember his name, but she was saying, don't worry, you know, when you plant the church, we are behind you. We're going to support you. And I just saw a couple months ago that she was now engaged to that guy. Yeah, they're going to get married. So it's just so awesome. So that's just one.
one of the amazing testimonies that are happening around Asia, and as I get to travel around, I'm hearing these amazing testimonies of the miraculous power of our God, and I'm here to tell you our God is real, and our God is alive. Can I hear an amen? Come on. All right, so this is our team from Singapore. We had about 50 uh, uh, church members that attended our conference there in Orlando, and this is a timeline that we had. Our ministry started in 1994, and our church, we started in 1995. We joined Every Nation in 95 there. And when we started, we only had uh, 18 people show up on our first Sunday. And, you know, when you have 18 people, it feels so small, so discouraging. And there were many times when I felt like I wanted to give up. And the Lord uh, reminded me of this word in Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in, of doing good, for in due season we will reap. Everybody say, we will reap. We will reap if we do not give up. The only way the enemy is going to win is if we give up. And if we persevere and keep on holding on and don't give up, we're going to see a tremendous harvest. We will reap. And I like this. Apostle Paul continues on, and it's kind of like building up. And he says this in Romans 8, 35 and 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you know what Apostle Paul went through? He went through the beating, the whipping, the, the shipwrecks, being stoned to death. Sometimes he, they thought that he was actually dead. He raises it back to life. I mean, he went through terrible tribulation, but yet Paul could say this. It's amazing. He says, we are more than conquerors. That means that we're just not conquerors like, you know, victorious people. Yay, people outside in the world get promotions and get blessings and all of this. We are more than conquerors. We are more than that. Why is that? Because we have a peace of God. We have an assurance of God. We know that God is with us, and so we are more than conquerors. We just don't get blessed. We get fully blessed. We get the peace that comes with God. Come on, we are more than conquerors. That's why Paul could say that in the midst of tribulation. And then he goes on, and he builds up to the ultimate final statement here in 2 Corinthians 2.14. He says, but thank Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Do you know in the Roman culture, when the Romans would win a battle, they would parade down the street and parade and bring all those gods from the different lands that they defeated, and they would parade down. Everybody would cheer and say, yay, you know, we've defeated, we've become victorious. And so Paul is using that type of language to tell us, thanks be to God, in, who in Christ always leads us into triumphal procession. We should be always thanking God. Yay, I got victory. Victory over sickness. Victory over the enemy. Victory over this hardship. Victory over this trial. And we should say thank you, God, because when we testify about how great our God is, it's spreading the aroma of Christ, of who he is, a great and a mighty God. And it's always giving glory to God. And so that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. And I wanted to emphasize these words because it really stood out to me. Always. You know, in marriage, there are some words that we avoid. You know, don't ever say always. You know, it's like, you know, you're always like this. You always say, you know. So these are some words we avoid in marriage. 
but here in Scripture, he uses the word always. Always, always leads us to triumph. That means as a believer, no matter how difficult the situation, the Lord always leads us to triumphal victory. Why do we not see the victory? Because we give up many times. We give up right on the verge of before our victory. Right when you're climbing mountains. I climb Mount Fuji, and you know when just before you get to the, the top, it's the hardest part because it's the steepest. And it's at that moment you feel like you want to give up. I've ran eight marathons in my life. I know I don't look at it like it now. But anyway, I've ran eight marathons. And it's always towards the end that you feel like you want to give up. Your body is saying, why did you torture me to do this? Why would you treat me like this? And you're running towards the end and you hit this wall and you don't want to go and your body's giving up on you and you're kind of limping. If you ever saw, you know, the end of marathons, it's so funny because you see people kind of running it like that, you know, towards the end. They just want to finish. Everything is telling you, give up, give up. But if you don't give up, you're going to see the victory that God has for you because it's not by your power, not by your strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The Lord gives us strength. But I like this word, triumph, because if you break it down, God is calling us. When you try, God gives us the umph that we need. Come on. God always says, go. He always says, come on, advance. Step out in faith. Just try. Just step out. Just pray. Just testify. When you try, the anointing power of the Lord comes on you, and all of a sudden, you get the ump, that extra encouragement. You know, many times when you pray for people, when I pray for people, you know, it, it's, it's just a step of faith. You're just praying the word that the Lord gives you. You're stepping out. Many times, you know, especially when I'm outside of the church, and the Lord would speak to me and say, hey, pray for that person. Pray for that person on the bus. Pray for that person at the sidewalk. Pray for that person at, at Wendy's, the fast food restaurant. I'm like, no, God, this is not church. And the Lord keeps saying, even more so pray. That's the hardest part. You know, it's like, you know, how do you, it's so awkward, right? How do you pray for people when they're outside of the church? Oh, hi, you know, I'm, I'm Pastor Larry. You should respect me, and I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you. We don't approach it like that. I just open up a conversation and say, hey, hi, you know, I'm just interested, you know, just the way you talk, you know, where are you from? And open up a conversation from there. I say, hey, is there anything that I can pray for you about? I'm a, I'm a pastor, a Christian, you know, in the city. And, and it, usually they'll let, they'll let me pray. And when I pray, I just, you know, I'll just pray a simple word of encouragement. You know, I just believe the Lord wants you to know that he's real, that he's alive. And it's amazing, you know, the testimonies that I get back of how, you know, people are just shocked. They're like, wow, I'm amazed that God knows me. God cares about me. And it's just really, really a tremendous testimony. And I want to encourage us that if you just try, God will give you the ump, the ump that you need. And I just really want to encourage all of us that, you know, it's, it's all that we need is it's just to try. And the Lord just loves that. I believe he just looks down from heaven and he gives us the encouragement that we need. And so that's what I wanted to encourage you about today. The Lord wants to encourage you and he wants to build this church because we all know the Lord will build this church. Come on. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. If we are faithful to the call, if we are faithful to the plow and keep holding on, no matter 
matter how difficult it gets, we're going to see a tremendous church built. And sure, the enemy's going to roar. He's going to throw everything he can to stop what we're doing because the enemy hates the church. But we know the enemy's a loser. Come on. If we keep holding on, the Lord is victorious. Keep holding on. Holding on to the promises of the word of who he is. He is a God that is alive and always with us. So I want to encourage you with several scriptures and stories of people in the Bible. One that really stands out to me, you know, is David. And in in 1 Samuel uh, 30, verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of the soul of the people were grieved, every man and his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. What happened? Well, the Amalekites came and they took all of their family members and possessions. And so because of that, all of David's army were discouraged. And even David's wives were taken and David's children were taken as well. David could have said, hey, wait a minute, you're discouraged and you're, you're pinning, pointing all of this on me? And he, my family's also taken. It's not fair. You know, why are you getting all upset at me? But everybody was pointing to David and saying, you're the reason, you're, you know, because we're following you, you know, all this thing is happening. And so they were, uh, you know, criticizing David and all of this. And what did David do? He didn't criticize them back. He says he strengthened himself in his Lord, in God. And I want to encourage us that many times in life, you know, I've, you know, I've had death threats. You know, I was, I was telling one of our pastors in, in one of our countries, I said, you know, I'm, I'm in Singapore and I've had death threats. You know, don't worry. You know, the Lord protects us. And he goes, oh, Pastor Larry, you had death threats? I said, yeah, I had death threats. He says, I also had death threats. And I said, huh, really? You had death threats? And I said, what happened? He says, yeah, one guy pulled me in the toilet and put a, a, a pencil to my neck and said, if you expose me, I will kill you. And I said, oh, okay, yours is actually a death threat. Mine is m- more a verbal accusation. You know? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, here I am trying to go encourage him. He encourages me. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing. Okay, but you know, you know, how did David encourage himself in the Lord? I, I believe there are just several ways. And encouragement, first of all, it takes trust. Trust in knowing who God is. I like what David says in Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? What can people do to you? Come on, do you let that, the accusations get the better of you? Do you let circumstance pull you down? I like what David is saying. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, God. How could David say that? Because David in his life faced the lion and the bear. He faced situations that were overwhelming. In the natural, lions and bears kill people. (laughs) And in the natural, you know, he should have not overcome. But because the Lord showed him that he can have power over these circumstances, he learned to trust in his God. So that's why later when he faced Goliath, he says, man, you come against me with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts and knock down that giant. God allows us to go through circumstances and situations to show us how great our God is. To show us that in the midst of situations that, yes, naturally it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. The Lord helps us through life's problems. 
Then when King Saul was trying to kill David, David goes and hides in the cave. And Psalm 57 is called the Psalm of the, of the Cave. And it says there in 1 and 2, it says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. I like that because many times people have a misunderstanding. That when we come to Christ and become Christians, that means everything, man, is a cakewalk. Man, life should be full of blessings and nothing wrong should happen to us. But you, if you look at the life of Jesus, did that happen for him? He went all the way to the cross and endured the suffering and the shame. And he says, if you want to follow me, you're also going to have to take up your cross. And you're also going to be faced with rejection. And he says, go through the process. Because when you go to your own cross, you're going to start seeing the victorious victory that we have in Christ. That many times through the suffering, many will come to know the Lord. And I want to encourage us that, that David found this. You know, he says, in you, God, my soul takes refuge. He's hiding. He didn't understand. Why does King Saul want to kill me? I'm, I'm just serving him. I'm a humble servant. I'm doing what he wants me to do. But yet he wants to kill me. But he says, in you, Lord God, I don't understand my situation. But in you, God, I place my refuge. Trust in God in the midst of situations you don't understand. I like that because many times when we don't understand our situations, we're like holding on for dear life. We're drowning in our situation. And when you panic, what happens? You hurt everybody around you. I don't understand my situation. Oh, I don't trust God. I don't trust you. I don't understand. I don't trust people. Ah. And you know what they say when a person is drowning? What do you have to do? Knock them out. You know, otherwise, you know, they're going to pull you down and drown you too. It's almost like you got to wake them up and say, come on, wake up. Don't get caught up in this situation. Trust in God, knowing that he's in control. That's why I like um, stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a time where King Nebuchadnezzar was telling them that uh, you, ha you have to bow down to my statue. If you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And in Daniel 3, they said this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. Come on, they knew that God would deliver them. But he says, from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not. I like those words. Come on, everybody say that. Even if he does not. Even if he does not. <laughs> we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold that you have set up. Come on. Even if God does not deliver us, even if this trial takes longer than we expected, even if we don't see the answer to prayer that we've been praying for immediately, even if he does not, we're still not going to compromise. We're still not going to bow down. We're still not going to give up because we trust in our God. Come on, our God is faithful. 
You know, I was in China several years ago, and I was meeting several of our leaders. I was meeting several of them that were, you know, from really underground, you know, in the heartlands, uh, you know, of China, and doing amazing work for reaching people. In this one meeting, uh, every single person here uh, was representing a thousand small groups. So in this one meeting, we had well over a million um, believers represented. And, and so, you know, many of them, I was just, you know, saying, thank you for your um, service to the Lord. Thank you for, for your heart, uh, for, you know, for people. And I would just pat them on the back. And for several of them, you know, as I pat them on the back, their back was like so hard, like a brick wall. And I said, you know, for, for some of the, the guys, I said, bro, how come your back is so hard? And they said, oh, with a smile on their face, oh, pastor, you know, I've been in prison six times, seven times. And every time I go to prison, I get beaten for Christ. <laughs> you know, I was like, I said, bro, how in the world can you smile about that? Oh, pastor, every time I go to prison, the church grows even more. And I get, more, I get opportunity to preach to more people in prison and more people get saved. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Then I talk to them. I feel like my faith is so small, you know, and, and these guys are passionately serving the Lord. A couple, um, uh, about six months ago, you know, several of our churches, you know, the, the, were raided by police in China, and, you know, they were, they were forced to, to close the, the, the meeting and all of this. It was a terrible situation. One of the pastors who was my good friends turned to his wife and, and said, do you still want me to pastor? Do you still want me to do this? Because if I go to prison, you know, we have small children. And the wife turned to him and said, you better not, uh, you better not stop preaching. You better keep on doing what God's called you to do. You don't worry. If you go to prison, you know, we'll carry on the work of the Lord. The husband says, okay, yes, thank you. And it's amazing. I have friends that are passionately serving the Lord in this way, not giving up in the midst of persecution and hardship. Last month, we had opportunity to have a family reunion for my dad's side of the family. I'm half Japanese, half American Indian. So my Japanese side, every color represents a generation. So we had four generations represented here. And because our family are all Christian, we ran it like a church camp. So we had worship, we had devotions, we had games and all of this. Several nights we had the elders just sharing words of wisdom through your years for the generations, the family. And one of my aunties who is right there was sharing two years ago, she was diagnosed with stage four leukemia. And she was only given one year to live. And the testimony that she was sharing was that, that she believed that God was going to use even the sickness to give the Lord glory. And she says that even though she went through a chemo treatment, she got this amazing, you know, a special treatment, and she was able to get in this program, but she was like the sample patient in all of this, and, and she got in, and she got actually all the chemo treatment free, and it was such an amazing testimony. But in the midst of the, the treatment, she says that she didn't experience any pain at all, which was incredible. And she used every opportunity to witness and share to all the nurses that came to her, her room. She said that when she left the hospital, she was crying because she saw the whole nurses as like family to her, that she got so close. And she says many of the nurses would send all the nurses that were not Christian to her because every time they would, you know, she would have a nurse, she would witness to them and testify to them. And so God used this whole sickness. Her testimony was that she enjoyed her sickness. 
which was incredible that she used it to give God glory and to be a witness to others. So it doesn't matter what our situation is. If we see it that God's using it so we can give him glory, every opportunity is an opportunity to testify how great our God is. But the highlight of my uh, uh, reunion was this, that the generations got to pray for one another. We had the older generations praying for the younger generations, the younger generations praying for the older generations and pronounce a blessing. Do you know how this all started? It started by a 14-year-old boy that went to a vacation Bible school and received Christ as a, a Japanese Buddhist at the time, received Christ, goes home, and he tells his mom and dad, he says, Mom and Dad, I'm going to serve Jesus because I received him in my heart, and you need to receive Jesus too. And the parents actually threatened to kick him out of the, of the, of the house. But he says, even if you kick me out, I'm still going to serve Jesus. Then they said, okay okay, okay, then you can you know, still go to church and stay in our house. You know, they realized he was very, you know, strong and passionate. And eventually his brothers came to know the Lord. His parents two years later accepted the Lord. Grandpa and grandma accepted the Lord. We had a family revival. Come on, that 14-year-old boy was my father. And we saw a, a, a massive revival that every single family member became a Christian. Many of them are elders and pastors today. And it all started by a 14-year-old boy. And I want to encourage us, if we trust in our God, He is faithful no matter what we face. In Psalm 91, verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. We can trust in God. He is a faithful God. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell him you can trust in God? Come on. That's the first point. I have 10 more to go. Okay, here we go. The next one is encouragement requires sacrifice. I'm joking about that. Only three more. Okay, uh, you know, it requires sacrifice. In Revelation 20, 11, 12, it says, They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even to death. I believe that if more and more of us as believers understand this verse, we're going to see the church grow even more. We do not love our lives even to the death. That means that we understand that we are living for Christ. We're not living for ourselves. We're not living for our career. And sure, you know, we still need to go to work and all of this. But when we go to work, we're understanding that we're, our work is just a mission field. It's an opportunity to give God glory. Give, be the best employee that you can be to, to, to be that witness. And, and so we shouldn't be the ones that are coming late and, and you know, being you know, you know, angry all the time in our workplace. And, and people say, I don't want to be like that person if that's a Christian. No, we should be you know, better than everybody else. We should be the greatest witness. So we should not love our lives to the death. Our, our mission, our ministry uh, started because of three men that have dared, you know, to step out and, and to lay down all of their agendas and all of their own ministries to say, let's combine together. And so Pastor Rice and Pastor Phil and Pastor Steve came together and that's how we started uh, Every Nation. And, and here in this picture is actually, you know, Brian and Marilyn, who's actually started, you know, our, our church in Turkey. And they sacrificed and they said, I'm willing to die to myself and even my career ambition. And I would just want to do what God wants me to do. And so I want to encourage all of us that when we truly understand this, we're going to see God, uh, it's God's kingdom advance. 
In Galatians uh, 2.20, Paul addressed this, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life which I know live by the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we understand that, I am crucified with Christ. My life is just, you know, it, Jesus owns me, so I'm living for him. I should serve him with everything I have. That's what Jesus was trying to address when he came to the earth and was speaking this to his disciples. And he was saying that if you want to follow me, if you, then you let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you know what that means? That it doesn't matter if I don't have my suitcase and I'm not the most properly dressed. It doesn't matter. That's not going to stop me from speaking and declaring the word of the Lord. It doesn't matter what people say about me because every time when I pray or I, I preach, there are going to be people that are going to criticize. They're going to be, I don't like the way Pastor Larry speaks. He speaks too fast. You know, you know he's not proper and all that. People are going to criticize. Should, does that stop you from, from speaking and declaring the word of the Lord? No, it shouldn't. Because you were not bound by the fear of man. Come on, we should be more fearful of God and more honoring God. It's like, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. Come on, and when we understand that, it doesn't matter what men say. And sure, they're going to have their voices and criticisms and all of that. That's part of life. But don't let that stop you. Come on, from serving the Lord. Are you here? Yes. Come on. Okay, and it goes on. Encouragement requires obedience. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raise against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We have to take captive every negative thought. There are things that the enemy throws at us. You're no good. You don't speak good enough. Nobody wants to listen to you. All these negative thoughts the enemy throws at you to try to stop you. you got to understand there's a warfare, and he tries to stop you, you know, from doing God's work and will, and he's going to throw these things. So take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Has God called you? You know, is, he, is God with you? Can you trust God? Is he faithful? Yes, okay. Then you can move forward. It's understanding that. So I told you last month I had a, a family reunion with my dad's side. I also had a family reunion with my wife's side of the family. And we, uh, after the world conference, we went for a cruise, okay? And um, this cruise actually was actually to spend time with my wife's um, uh, sister and, and her husband because uh, last year they were actually on the verge of divorce because of, you know, his battle with alcohol. And, and we, you know, we were praying for him and all of this. And the greatest testimony of this cruise was when we docked at one of the beaches. Um, he says, Pastor Larry, can you just pray for me? because I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. And so I led him. I said, do you understand what baptism is? And he goes, yes, I understand. You know, it's an open confession of what I already believe. I believe in Jesus. And so I said, okay, do you really believe in Jesus? Are you going to really serve him? Are you going to honor him with your life and your lifestyle and, and how you speak and act and behave and all of this? He says, yes, I want to follow Christ. And so we baptize him right there in the ocean. And his daughter, who is, who is there, actually 14 years old, she says, I want to get baptized too. 
And I was like, whoa, that's so awesome. Because of that situation that had happened in their family, she was actually on the verge of actually wanting to end her life. And she says, no, I want to serve Jesus. I don't want to fully give my, my heart to the Lord. So it was a time of rejoicing, <laughs> come on, for our family, that even in the midst of a holiday, even in the midst of vacation, we were able to honor God, and they were able to serve God, and they took every negative thought captive the obedience of Christ, and they were saying, yes, I want to follow God. And it says in Joshua, we need to meditate on the word of God day and night, and then we'll be prosperous and successful. So that helps us to obey Christ when you meditate. Don't just say all these negative thoughts. You go in the name of Jesus. You've got to think of the positive words of God. And so you've got to get the word of God in you. The word of God is the manual for life to teach us, to help us, to show us how to live, act, and behave. You know, I've been a pastor. I've been preaching for 30 years. And, you know, I've been married for, for 31 years this year. And, you know, there's not a day that goes by, I say, Lord, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better Christian. You know, I was just telling my kids, you know, when I was with them in Orlando, I said, man, I just want to be a better father. I was crying, you know, and I had to leave my 21-year-old daughter. You know, I was like, oh, I miss you so much. I miss you so much. You know, she's studying in, in California, and I just miss being around my, my kids. You know, it's just amazing that, you know, as believers, as Christians, we should never stop growing. The moment you stop growing is the moment you get complacent. And when you get complacent, you get lukewarm. And the Bible says that when you're lukewarm, God spits you out of the mouth. And he says, that is disgusting to God. God says, no, we should either be hot or cold continually be aggressively seeking God and searching God and saying, Lord, deal with my heart. Change me. Grow me. You know, in Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy, think about these things. So we're living in the time of all this news, negative news, and, you know, turn on the TV. All these shootings and things are happening around. You know, all that things will get us so depressed, you know, in life. And so we need to go to the Word of God and remind ourselves that God speaks the best about us. He's with us. He's for us. You can trust in God. He never fails. Come on, when life gets so overwhelming and when my friends are facing persecution and some of them in prison, you know, for preaching the gospel, they're constantly declaring the Word of God. They've encouraged me in situations like that. They were saying, come on, we keep worshiping God. We keep acknowledging God. And they see God always come through. And so I want to encourage all of us in that. The last thing is this. Encouragement requires thankfulness. And we go back and read Romans 1. It talks about how when people fail to thank God, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. We should always acknowledge God as a creator God. And then in Philippians 4, 4 it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You got to understand, Paul was writing this from prison. And in a time in his life where he should have been so discouraged in his life because of all the persecution, Paul is encouraging the church in the midst of his own discouraging situation and trial and hardship. He's still encouraging people. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he says, don't be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so he's encouraging the church, no matter what you're facing, as you stay thankful and acknowledge God, he's going to guard your heart and mind. He's going to help you in the midst of your situations. And finally, 
you know, in Psalm uh, 57, it ends off, you know, going back to David. He's in the cave, you know, running from King Saul. And then 400 discouraged men come to him, you know, all discouraged. And they're pinpointing David. He's saying, encourage us, encourage us, you know, feed us, help us. And David, you know, cries out and he says, my soul is in the midst of lions, in the midst of all these people criticizing him. I lie down in the midst of fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are like spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. But he says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. And these, these people, these 400 discouraged people are saying, what? You know, you're not acting like a normal person. Any normal leader, when we criticize them and say, feed us, discourage us, they will yell at us back. They will say, hey, come on, you feed yourselves. But David didn't act like that. David began to just worship God. And then he says this in the last of the chapter. He says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And they began to see David praise God. And they realized, wow, there's something different about David. There's something, you know, that uh, a, a power about him that he's not fighting in his own strength. His strength is in his God. And these 400 men that walked into that cave discouraged, walked out of that cave, David's 400 mighty men. And when you read stories about the mighty men, one of them killed 1,000 men, and he says was fighting with a, a, a sword that his hand froze to the sword, and he killed another guy named Benaiah. He ripped apart a lion's mouth, man. He killed a lion on a snowy day. Oh, it's a snowy day today. You know, <laughs> what lion is attacking you today? If you leave today knowing that your God is with you and for you, come on, there's nothing that you can't do. No situation is impossible for our God. Our God is mighty to save. He is here to help us. Sure, the enemy's gonna roar. He's gonna try everything he can to discourage you. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy cannot win because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. There is victory in the mighty name of Jesus. No sickness is too hard for God. No situation is too hard for our God. Our God is victorious, and we serve a great and a mighty God. In Psalm 91, he says, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. How many of you love the Lord today? Let me see your hands. This is the promise for you. If you love the Lord, come on, he says six I wills for you. I will protect, I will deliver, I will answer, I will be with you, I will rescue, I will satisfy. This is our God. Our God is with you. He will fight for you. Come on, don't get discouraged. That's where the enemy wants you to be. Don't be in fear. That's the enemy's motivation. Be in faith, knowing that God is with us. God will build his church. God will build your family. Hold on to the promises. Come on, we are called to be encouraged to win. And remember this, as is it written, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind can conceive the great things that God has in store for us. Can we rise up together? And I want to pray for you to encourage you today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging your people, that, Lord God, there is nothing impossible for you. 
We haven't even begun to see, Lord God, the great things that you have in store for us. So right now, I come against all discouragement. I come against a sickness and disease. I come against all depression. I command it to leave now in the name of Jesus. I command every negative word, every verbal curse to get out of our minds right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare over all of us that we will speak and declare the word of God, that Lord God, no weapon, formed against us shall prosper, that you are a faithful God, able to save, mighty Lord God, to deliver us from any hardship. We trust in you, no matter how long it's gonna take, we're gonna hold on and believe your word and be and believe your promises because all your promises are yes and amen. That means it's gonna happen. Lord God, I thank you in James 5, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means that it will happen. So I thank you, Lord God, that as we faithfully pray, we're going to see you come through. So, Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing in this place. You know, I stand here as a man, a walking miracle. When I was born, I had no ears. You know, my parents prayed for six days. On the seventh day, ears formed on the side of my head. It was a, a modern-day miracle. I had asthma for, for nine years. I was a sickly child. My parents kept praying and praying and praying. One day, when I was nine years old, I was on the verge of death. I couldn't breathe. All of a sudden, my dad calls, you know, the 24-hour prayer hotline, 700 Club, and, and, he, and he prays, you know, and all of a sudden, uh, I couldn't breathe, and all of a sudden, I just breathe. Uh, and I could breathe normally, and I haven't had asthma since. You know, the Lord has helped me, healed me, delivered me, and I'm here to tell you that as I travel around the world, I've seen the Lord come through for marriages. I've seen people being uh, that were broken being set free. I've seen marriages restored. The Lord is able to save. Trust in God, no matter how long it takes. So Lord God, we thank you today that you're a great and a mighty God. We're gonna stay thankful in the midst of our situation because we know it's only a matter of time that we're gonna see victory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give him praise. Thank you, Lord, amen. God sends people to encourage us and we've been encouraged today. And I was just reminded of how frail we can get sometimes, how untrusting we get sometimes when we're in the middle of tribulation and worries and problems in our lives and I'd like to thank Pastor Larry for sharing that powerful message to all of us never give up keep on holding on God is with you and God is for you whatever your situation is we're going through a lot lately a lot of church members a lot of them have been sick some of them have had operations just want to stand with them in prayer. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.